Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story is that Atlanta once again is on fire, basically. The Rayshard Brooks case seems to be the worst possible timing for a fatal incident where a black man is shot by the police. They burned down the Wendy's. I read the official narrative in the journal, but you're on the ground there, Binkley. What did you what do you, what's the story? Rashad Brooks was in a drive through line at Wendy's when he fell asleep and some people called the police on him because it was blocking the drive through lane and the police showed up and they got him out of the car. There's a about 30 minutes of body cam combined with police car camera video of it. And he appeared intoxicated and they got him out and they gave him a field sobriety test. They gave him a breathalyzer. They talked to him. It was very cordial to begin with. It wasn't, it didn't seem like it was going to be tense at the beginning. And he blew well above the legal limit. So police officer said, I think you've had too much. And he went to handcuff him. And after going to handcuff him, he struggled. And there was, you can see some of the altercation. You can see them, I think, fall to the ground and, and them fighting with each other. Then the body cam falls off and you see the rest through the, through the police officer car camera. Well, they were wrestling. Like it was a hardcore wrestling going on. Like they were fighting. There's, I can see where it was legitimate that the camera fell off. And he took the taser from the police officers and started running away. And then this is where the story is going to get murky. This is where you're going to hear different versions of the story, depending on which political side of the aisle you're on. He turned and pointed the taser at the police officer. And one one part of the story will tell you that that is when the police officer fired the weapon is when he was turning and pointing the taser at him. Others will tell you that he turned and pointed the taser at him and then he turned back around and started running again. And then the police officers fired then. So in the journal, it said that one of the cops, I guess the one who had maintained his taser, one of them got stolen, actually did try to tase him. And then that the other guy shot him in the back. Yeah, they said that he died from two gunshot wounds to the back. Wow. Did it look totally organic and authentic to you? I didn't see the video, but was it totally organic and authentic? Like, do you think there's any chance that that thing was in any way orchestrated or staged? I think there's always a chance of that. It seemed, yeah, it seemed authentic to me. Yeah. Well, I I just feel like this goes to some other stuff that's coming up in the journal today, there's a whole article about how rubber bullets are really hurting people. Tear gas is bad. They want to take these tools away from the police. And I'm not, I'm just trying to talk about the pragmatic elements of it. I'm not going to get into what anarcho-capitalism is every time. Let's just talk about what they're talking about, which is the crowd control stuff. They say they use the rubber bullets to target people who are trying to turn a protest into a riot. They're actually trying to target specific people. Tear gas is for crowd dispersal. So if they're trying to take these things away, they talk about use of force. What I was afraid of last week, it's like when they took away waterboarding after Bush, Obama didn't waterboard anybody. He didn't put anybody in Guantanamo. He just droned them to death because he had no alternatives. It's kind of like how the drug drug lords work. There's just only one way to enforce your law when you don't have the ability to have courts or any kind of tribal method. 
is that they just kill each other. That's why it's so violent. And I fear that when you take away those use of force, the the more moderate ones, then you're just going to have, yes, maybe you'll have fewer arrests. Maybe you will have less force used, but you're going to have an increased fatality rate because they're only going to go nuclear. And I feel like this is a weirdly perfect a demonstration of that in that the guy took the taser away from the cop. So the cop, I assume the cop without the taser is the one who pulled out his gun instead. Yeah, I think so. And you're right about that. I thought about the same thing about what you said, because I saw some of the protesters, what their demands were and some of their demands were legislation that would prohibit the use of flash bombs, rubber bullets and tear gas. Oh, really? Yeah. That's what some of the ones were demanding in Atlanta. And They had some other interesting demands as well. They also were calling for an economic boycott of streaming services like Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu, and services that are not owned by black people. So they want these services, they want people to boycott these services until these services agree to invest in black culture. They want Black Lives Matter put on all of their stuff, which is kind of already... You're starting to see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you see it. Stuff. You definitely do see that. Yeah. In the, I've been more, we're using a lot of streaming services lately. Yeah, and they want these services to invest in lobbying efforts that helps the black community. This is interesting. This is going after, this is targeting the private organizations, so to speak. Well, quote, private versus targeting legislation. So this is a similar thing that we see in all of these pushes to implement stricter controls over things to, to implement your That's will straight out of event 201 yeah. is to use the private sector to pressure business to, to get private sector people i mean to pressure government to get the really powerful people in a country to use soft power that's literally what the event 201 guy said from johns hopkins i think to use soft power to pressure governments to capitulate to the policy agenda that event 201 in that example was fostering, but it sounds like the same tactics all the way around. Yeah, they know that these streaming companies have the power and they know that they have the money. And so they're going right after the power and the money. Well, and it doesn't it doesn't make the the streaming companies seem completely apolitical when you realize that Edward Bernays's nephew, Edward Bernays, the father of propaganda, the nephew of Freud is the guy who founded Netflix. I mean, it looks like all this stuff does kind of end you when you look at the backstory of Google, when you look at the backstory of the the some of the other big tech guys, almost all of whom the very biggest have some kind of weird military intelligence background or some connection. So I think that these guys are kind of already teed up to cooperate with whatever the political agenda is. That's why I don't like the stakeholder thing, the World Economic Forum. It's it's really a kind of fascism, this corpo-governmental thing. And I have a couple of stories that kind of relate to that, but I don't want to move on from the protests yet. Yeah, there was protests that were sparked after this shooting, and the Wendy's was burned down, which as soon as this whole thing started, I said, well, that Wendy's is going to get burned down. And yes. the highways were filled with people. And Did you, could- you see... The picture of the chick they're looking for in black who supposedly started white chick in black who supposedly started that. I that did. I fire. saw there. There's a reward for, of ten thousand dollars. They're looking for not just her. They're looking for other people as well. Just that's the picture that they have. And I saw the video that was taken where the person was filming what I think might have been the same girl. 
And the commentary on the video, he was saying, here's a white girl. Look at that white girl starting the fire. This wasn't us that did that. Look at this white girl. But the problem with that video is that the fire is already raging inside the (laughs) Wendy's at that time. So it's not clear at all that it's just that white girl. Yeah, she is up there doing something and they need to find her and they need to question her. But that is not at all evidence that she is the only one that was involved in this. The The whole place was already up in flames. Was she carrying a black umbrella? No, she wasn't. Because <laughs> that is the exact same yeah. story as came out. I know it is the same the story. Right. Zone fire. I was looking for that. She was wearing all black. She did have a black yeah. book bag, and she did have one of those lights on her head that, like, if you're going to go in a coal mine, you turn the light on your your helmet on. Oh, really? And on. It, it might have been a camera. The cameras look like that too. That's that's a good possibility as well. And I was looking through some of these protest materials that they have, the Black Lives Matter and the Antifa protest materials that they send out, and they tell people to do all of these things. All of their resources do so. To do what? To burn stuff down or to No, to, to take dress in all black. Yeah, to, yeah. To wear oh, stuff yeah. like that on their heads to be prepared in that way. Soros was the first one. A Soros organization was the first one years and years ago. I remember. I don't know if it was Occupy or what, but seven, eight years ago, the flyer of how to wear a hoodie, how to cover your face. It didn't go full like all black yet. It was yeah. pre-Antifa, but it was all that about to protest without getting recognized, how to put like a little turtleneck over the bottom of your face and sunglasses on top. Yeah. I've always tried to find that those flyers. I think Dean Dean always is able to refind it for me after I can't find it anymore because it's been completely suppressed. Did you see this thing about geofencing? In it's there was an article titled Political Groups Are Collecting Demonstrators Data that the get out the vote people are geofencing at the protests. They're going in there and they're finding all, I guess basically all apps have the collect location data for their own use and sell it and whatever. I mean, just one company here said they have 300 apps that have this geolocating data in it, whatever surveillance stuff. And they refuse to give it to certain organizations that they don't agree with. And I guess they feel like what, what their argument was that, the that they don't want to identify people at protests because that might suppress their free speech. They are identifying them, though. And I've always thought that about body cams. I've always thought that about facial recognition. They're saying that they're not sending it out. And they're also saying that people can turn that stuff off. It's a lot like what Edward Snowden was saying on his last tour. So I feel like this is going somewhere. And in any case, private organizations are certainly have if they're if anybody's willing to give it to them access to the cell phone location of the people at the protest or i guess anywhere yeah and the news openly talks about how cell phone tracking data is telling them how the spread of the coronavirus is still moving around the country so they're just openly talking about how they're tracking our cell phones our geo data all the time right now a couple more points about what happened in atlanta the richard brooks incident there was two other shootings. One of them was five people, seven people were shot, two were killed, at least five were injured, maybe more. And it was a drive-by shooting off of Edgewood. Then there was another shooting on Sunday at 3 a.m. It was like three or four people got shot. It was also on Edgewood. And when you look at some of these protest videos and you see all the police resources on the highway dealing with these protesters, it's the Die Hard 3 situation that I've talked about before where All the resources are focused on this one thing, and this lets the criminals go rob all of the banks. It's Christmas for the criminals. They can do anything they want. Can I mention at this point that there is a there was a financial aid package put up by a Republican senator from Louisiana looking for five hundred 
billion dollars to state and local governments who have been hit by COVID policy and their revenues are down. Later in the article, it says their revenues are only down by 200 billion. This guy's asking for 500 billion and he's saying, I understand there's a movement to defund the police, but we need this money to pay for these public services. We, we, and then I remembered there were lots of articles that said they were going to defund the police. They were, they were laying people off. They're just the crime was way down because of the lockdown. And now wouldn't you know it before the lockdowns even fully lifted? What, what is and when the protests turn to riots, their crime, but the sense of chaos and uh, a battle between law and order and these forces that would have their own law has probably got the people who would object to this kind of tax transfer so scared. Fear seems to be the thing that makes everybody abandon all of their principles ready now to want to double down on the police. So I'm not saying it's going to backfire. I think there's this is there is going to be a major transformation in all of this stuff. But this idea of just this constant stream of money moving around for whatever reason, I I can't think of any anything that's going on here, but a t- total bankruptcy of this country at every level and private, public, everything, personal, everything. Yeah. And you mentioned fear making people willing to do things that they otherwise wouldn't do. I want to give you a new term for your lexicon, for maybe not for your lexicon. It was for mine anyway. Yeah, bring it. An effective fact. Oh, that's good. That's good. No, I never heard of that. A-F-F-E-C-T-I-V-E. What? Yes, yeah, it's called an effective uh. fact. An effective fact involves widespread sensation of immediacy and familiarity with distant events, facts, and people that does not correspond with any substantial knowledge. That's saying this. It's saying that we see something on social media, we see something on TV that strikes us as familiar that we've been affected by before, we believe we've been affected by before, and we instantly feel the immediacy and that familiarity with it. And but the but the reality is that we have no substantial knowledge about what actually was going on because it's it's coming through this this digital environment that we're getting. And what the effective fact does is it degrades our understanding because our responses are activated before we do a cognitive evaluation of the situation. In other words, the effective fact disables reasoning in favor of enthusiastic identification with the event. That's a lot to absorb. I'm trying to understand even just starting with the grammar of it an affect, like an effective fact, I would think is something that helps promote a policy. That's not what this is. No, this, this is, is about this, this is about affect. this is this is what the media exploits. This is the emotional aspect of it. Right. The, yeah. The full body experience of it. You see it on it's saying, oh, well, there it is. Another white police officer shooting a black guy. Mind made up. You're activated to go out and protest without actually knowing the substantial you know, information that came out of that. So that's how you get people to come to these conclusions immediately, even if that's not always the case. Very interesting. Well, that completely goes with what we know about propaganda, about getting the emotion out there, about taking away any kind of rational thought about creating emotional experiences so that you can make the impression that will support the policy. This is what we're seeing and what we've been seeing for some years now and it, I, I think it pull, pulls away from my eyes the curtain of any any kind of civic representational government. It's just it's this isn't what it's meant to be. We're it's 
are like little children. They treat us like like you're tricking your kid to not be, you know, to go to sleep or or whatever. It's not about the foundation that we were this country was built on whether it was valid or not, but the foundation is that we are rational. It's the age of enlightenment, the age of reason, that we're rational, that we're capable, that we're, they should be treated equally under the law, that we all have the same rights, that we're not different types of people. And in order to allow that to happen, you have to recognize the fact that people can do have free will. They have the ability to reason. They have the ability to understand the difference between right and wrong. And this is why all this stuff could only happen after a hundred years of dumbing us down. The whole Dewey education revolution, yeah. I would say, goes down to this. And that's one of the reasons you see these these organizers targeting younger people to come to these to do this protesting is because when you're younger you're going to react more and that you're not going to use as much reason. You're going to be more, you know, hot-headed. Absolutely. And not only that, well, I'll tell you in a second. Hey, what's up, guys? With the world as crazy and unpredictable as it currently is, the time to start living a truly sustainable lifestyle, a lifestyle of rugged independence, is right now. And Neighbors Feed and Seed has everything you need to help you do just that. Small engine repair, garden supplies, vegetable plants, bird feed, chicken feed, premium pet food. Neighbors has it all. And right now, they want to give Propaganda Report listeners an opportunity to try one of their new products, Southern Nights CBD Oil, at a 20% discount. So go to NeighborsFeedandSeed.com or visit the store in person if you live in the Smyrna area and use the promo code PROPREPORT, that's one word, all caps, P-R-O-P-R-E-P-O-R-T, and you'll get 20% off of your CBD oil purchase. Look, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Neighbors Feed and Seed is a fantastic business ran by friendly, knowledgeable, liberty-minded people who bend over backwards to help their customers in any way that they can. Check it out. I promise you, you're going to love it. I also want to add that Neighbors currently has a ton of baby chicks for sale, as well as some backyard chicken supplies. So if you're in the market for some baby chicks and you're in the Smyrna area, go on over to Neighbors Feed and Seed where they got your baby chicks. So not only you, oh, I should tell people, sorry, since we're speaking of neighbors, that uh, the invitation to the meetup at Neighbors in July is live for patron saints right now. And at midnight on Monday, this is Monday I'm speaking, at midnight Eastern tonight, uh, it's going to be live for friends of the show. So it's pretty limited. It's a one ticket per uh, patron first come first serve so look for it as soon as you can because it's going to fill up i'm sure so here's the thing about the protests and the youth i've also said not only because they're impressionable and they maybe don't even understand the concept of working and keeping their money and stuff so they're easy to manipulate when it comes to taxes and voting they really uh, that's when i start to wonder i'm not suggesting a poll tax but if you are a a lifetime net recipient of government money, like free college or whatever, should you really be the one voting on taking other people's money away? That's why I don't like the government having taxation uh, authority. But these protests, I've been saying, I I wonder if they could even get these protests out in force and mass when people are working, when people aren't idle, when they're not itching to get out there. There was a short article in the journal today, as you can see that I read the 
actual physical paper this morning for the first time in a long time. Lots of detail in there. So the article is German protesters air a host of grievances. And it starts at the grievances include greener policies, immigration rights, animal rights, racial justice and solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, just so you know, Germany has been protesting the covid lockdown for months since it began questioning the facts. So that wasn't even mentioned in the first paragraph. Germany has been. Germany has been, yes. And somebody tried to yell at me on Twitter, like, you're not giving Germany credit. It's like, I I understand what they're doing in Germany. They're not getting a lot of publicity because they're just calling BS. And they have a lot of civil rights sensitivity because of their history. So you would think that they're a bad place, and maybe they are, but what place is really good. But they do have pretty strict laws on some of this stuff. So then, but it says, how, and and it mentions later that, the protests have been going up regardless of uh, that, but from COVID prior to this latest weekend, but they say possible reasons for the increase in protest activity in Berlin. Authorities say could include people having more time to reflect on important issues and having heightened anxiety because of the health crisis. And it goes on to say it may also be fueled by a yearning for communal experiences, most of which are currently banned. So all these things I've been saying is like you put people on the couch, they can't go out, they have nothing to do, they are desperate to do anything, and you tell them the only thing they can do is go to a protest, then they're going to do it. The article went on to say that this weekend, unlike prior protests in Germany, was marked by people standing five feet apart and wearing masks in compliance with COVID guidelines. So in Germany, they weren't doing that. They were calling BS on the whole thing. And now I think they're trying to draw the point that this is not about COVID. The protests in Germany are about Black Lives Matter yeah. and all that. But it does point out with uh, without it points out what I thought may have been an intentional get everybody on the couch. You're, you're going to light that powder keg way easier, more easily with people pent up like that, with the gases building up. Yeah, and, and then that, you give and them some money. I don't know if they're getting checks in Germany. And well, the UBI are. is what I think actually would be the, what, the, the thing that kept people from protesting against the COVID lockdown because they liked it. In the beginning, they would have freaked out, but very quickly that money started flowing, and I think that's what kept them in their seats. But after 10 weeks... They didn't they weren't protesting the covid money. They were protesting something else, but they were getting out there in a way that they wouldn't have even been able to if they had to go to work. Oh, so that's what you're saying. I'm saying if they they didn't have a job to begin with and they had no money, it's going to be hard for them to protest. But now they don't have a job, but they have money. So and what does that mean? It frees them up to go. They can buy supplies. They can buy protest supplies. They can it funds their ability to protest. It funds their bailout funds, all that stuff. Yeah. But I just thought it was interesting that they were doing that. And I do I do have uh, another thing about Europe, but I don't I don't want to go too far afield if you haven't finished the Atlanta stuff yet. Well, the Atlanta stuff, I think, is Atlanta's at the center of all of this. We've been talking about this a while. I saw some articles about Atlanta being at the center of all this. Keisha Lance Bottoms was on a CNN town hall yesterday called Mayors That Matter. 
And it was four mayors talking about what they're going to do about police brutality, about systemic racism. And one thing that they don't ever do about systemic racism is they never actually define specifically what it is because they need the issue to exist. They need it to persist because it gives them a chance to run for office, to raise money, to organize. People who really want to solve problems, if you feel that there are problems, think about what they're telling you to do and think about how they're describing the problem and if that's effective. And if you really want to solve it, think about ways to explain it to people to where it's concrete in their mind to where people can find solutions that can actually be beneficial to people instead of all this rhetoric that just riles people up you know who you sound like who stacy abrams oh do i yep <laughs> she came out this weekend and she said calls for defunding the police is a ch- false choice idea there's an article in the hill and she's talking about how you have to come up with a real solution blah blah and i had a feeling that she had to have been hanging back because she was going to fill a different role, maybe a role that the majority of black America would rather see. I don't think that this radicalism represents the majority of black America. And maybe that's how she's getting. But I always knew she was part of that establishment thing. And she did a one other thing, which was call out the VP selection process as being BS. Did you see that? I did not see that. Okay, so... When we saw that highly, I don't know if you saw it, but it was definitely pushed around a lot. That look on her face, Tripoli mentioned it. And I said, I thought it was authentic when Biden was, they, th- she seemed to think he was going to ask her to be the VP on TV one time. She was all happy. And then he starts blah, blah, blahing. And it doesn't say that. And then her face really falls to the point where you could see it. Everybody picked up on it. It was on the news everywhere. And I said, wow, it really looked authentic. Like, I don't know. I don't get it because I think she's a complete actor and everything she does is scripted. And now I think that it was scripted because now her her she's beating the drum about the VP process not being fair. But she's also taking this more establishment role, which is consistent with her background. But most of her stuff is not consistent with her back. Most of her public facing image, as you point out, is not consistent with her globalist and even sometimes right wing connections in her in her list of internships to, I think, prepare to be president of the world or at least representative of something like that. Anyway, so that's what she's I, I, I I'm interested to see how her role unfolds. I don't I, she ain't done yet. That's yeah. for sure. She also speaks out of both sides of her mouth, depending on who her audience is. This audience, she's telling, she wants to demonstrate that she can be reasonable, work across the aisle. When she speaks to activists in her real element, that's when she that's when she's a really great speaker. I don't know. She's in her element element there. Yeah, she's an agitator and she definitely stirs things up with those. I'm not sure what she really is. Because her, she spent 10 years basically doing these global internships to be an international networker, going to Yale Law School, all that kind of stuff. I, I, she could be an educated agitator with this I, deeply I connected. Yeah. I just don't know what, which is the act. I just don't know which is the act. She's yeah. effective. You know, she definitely learned how to preach from her parents, it sounds like. So she's effective in that. Listening is to she a romance novelist? Is she a preacher? Is she a VP? Is she CEO? I, I think she can what... be a lot of things, but I think yeah. at her heart, if in my opinion, looking what looking at her speeches that she's given at activist rallies and her history leading demonstrations and organizing. She's a community organizer and activist at heart. She's even said that before, that she's an activist. And 
her mom watching her mom preach and the way that her mom preaches it's so it's it is very divisive and agitating she comes a, a, from a history a family of agitators that are very trained and skilled at doing that and she has developed the skill of being able to refine herself to kind of a more global audience i would say yeah well she's definitely been trained to do that and i there was one other article that i i found interesting not so much in that it was news to me but that it is now news and that is how covid this was another wall street journal article that title was black mortality threats rise for black mortality and it said both covid itself and the policy impact on the black community will make mortality rates rise. The stats they used to back that up were a little squishy because white rates were rising at the exact same pace, according to the article. So I didn't really understand what they were saying. However, one of the organization leaders uh, was about the was a leader of health disparity, an organization addressing health disparities. And that was the second of Trump's four things that I talked about last week, which hadn't been on my radar at all, was that one of his four major action items was to address health disparities. I, of course, think plugging people into the health system is worse for them overall. Having unlimited access to government funded health is just uh, is a recipe for an over over prescription, over treatment. Because because there's nobody putting the brakes on, nobody's making decisions, nobody's evaluating the cost of things. It's an out of control, cronyistic industry. And I and I think it's dangerous to be plugged into that without having any reason to be skeptical of it. And I feel like they're being targeted for that, which is another like the systemic racism is so different from from how I see it, from what they're saying they want. I feel like it's really there and it's stuff like this. Yeah, I think that they lead the systemic racism vague because that's how they can always pull these people in. No, I think they're identifying it as uh, police brutality. And I think that today they are. But say uh, we solve police brutality. You think the, the argument of systemic racism would go away? No, it wouldn't. It would still be the core of the organizing movement that's been the core of it for decades. So when you can't offer like, a clear, concrete picture of what the future is, then you you can continue to change what that future is and continue to use it as an organizing tool. I would actually say that the stuff that is truly systemic racism is similar to like what really is the threat to our environment. And they don't want it to change, not because they want to move the goalposts all the time, but it's important to have it. And it's important to so they want the real threat to the environment, in my opinion, is chemical pollution. So they're never going to talk about that because they they meaning there is a cabal on top and I can tell you who they are who runs these internships and and pays for the governments and runs these psyops they depend on chemical pollution they in, depend on uh, petrochemicals for pharmaceuticals and everything they depend on the systemic racism to keep the society in hierarchy so there it's not that they would they just cycle through what they identify they intentionally i think avoid the real issues because that's essential to keeping this system going even though the system really is probably 
fundamentally outdated. Yeah, they avoid those. And these other issues are so divisive. It's just a tool they've had. The the powers that be have had in their pocket for centuries is to use race and tribalism to divide up the populace so that they can further control them and manipulate them to reach their ill and their 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 will and their ends, their ill will, I should say. But yeah, so the sooner the population we can realize that, then the sooner we can all live together in harmony and peace. In my well, I have some. I still have uh, some interesting stuff. One thing about big tech uh, footing the bill for a lot of taking a larger role in paying taxes in Europe. I I see something quite uh, a big risk in doing that, and I also want to talk about why I fear a COVID resurgence, and it's. Well, it's maybe what you think, but normally it's not what people think of the of the fear. But I'll tell you about it on the Patreon 15. I have some stuff about COVID resurgence as well. And Fauci's advice on whether or not to wear a mask when jogging. I'll tell you the interesting tidbit he told a reporter over the weekend. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every day that we post a DNB, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron. We will talk to you guys tomorrow or in the Patreon 15.